Welcome to the 4D Experience, Deep Dives with Dan and Drew. All right, so we have a packed show once again. If you couldn't tell, we're going to start positively with the Bulls and the Bulls. Positive, positive, positive. Teams that are doing well in Chicago. Let's let's actually start it, there. It's, it's been a week. Um, it's been a weird week weather-wise. It's been a weird week just in general. So um, we're thinking positive this week. I think that's, that's the, maybe that's going to be the title of our show is positive, positive, positive. Yes. Positive vibes. I like it. Um, The bulls. We'll start with the bulls. They They are actually legitimately a positive. I mean, with no sarcasm intended, they are good. They're very good. And it's a well-balanced, well-rounded team. They had a little bit of a stumble there for a little bit. Um, but, but they found themselves. I think they're finding their feet. They're learning from each other. Yeah. Um, you're watching a lot of lot of evolution go on, and teammates getting comfortable with one another, and it's really, really fun. And people having to step up because right now it's kind of a shell of themselves a little bit. Well, the the the, the vid, the the, yeah. the COVID has has gotten into the locker room a little bit. Started with Kobe White, Kobe then White, Javante then, Green, and right. Demar Derozan, and. All in well in protocol. You don't know if they have sure. it or if they're just a close contact and they're just monitoring. Um, you know, same thing happened with LeBron, where you know he actually popped a negative positive, I guess, or a false yeah. positive, false positive, and and you know was out for a couple games. So um, obviously, we hope that all of those are as negative or as they can be, um, because that is 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 obviously the the better situation. But uh, uh, in the meantime, their their bench players, their depth is getting tested, and they're passing the test. Yeah, not only are those three players out, and DeMar DeRozan is an uh, all-star right now, I think, flat out. Well, him all-star. and Levine are like one in four in fourth quarter points. So yes, that that's closing. <laughs> and I think we're getting more from Javante Green than I think anybody really thought of. I didn't know who he was at the start of yeah, the year. I know who he minutes, is now. And he's playing very, very well. Uh, Caruso, not on the COVID protocol list, just has a hamstring injury. So He had... Okay, he had one of the best tweets I saw. I don't know if well, if you're around Chicago yesterday, the the weather was a bit soupy, um, and I think he tweeted something like, it, it, "The sun sets at two thirty p.m. here," and like there's forty comments, and they all say, "Welcome to Chicago." Yep, yep, you're not in L.A. anymore. So, <laughs> uh, and we are happy to have you. Oh here. no, I mean, I exactly welcome, and you know, we'll embrace you, and we'll we'll give you some good artificial light. Yes, get uh, get back healthy and get back on the court because we need you. Uh, even though the Bulls, even without all four of those players, uh, took down also a beaten up Denver team. Let's call it what it yeah, is. Yeah, Denver is missing two of their th- big three players. Um, still have Jokic though. They still have Jokic, who's really good. Uh, and Monte Morris actually was very hot. From you know who I've been impressed with over this this span, and and we've been waiting for him to turn it on. Has been. Um, 
the big dude. Why am I, Vucevic? Why am I Vucevic, thank you. I am I spacing? Vucevic is like found his shot. All of a sudden, like they're they're all starting to go down. Yeah, he's so, had a couple of big games where all three of our big when, three. When when you can hot. just kind of tell when things come in and, and when all, everybody comes back and healthy. This this is a con, it's a contender now. Yeah, when all three of our big three are rolling, it, we're very hard to beat. It, it's going to be a tough time. Uh, Vooch tonight had twenty and ten. Yeah, so a nice double double for him. Uh, Zach did Zach Levine things in the third quarter. He went bonkers and scored 32 on the night. Um, I would assume he'll get his first NBA start. Had 11 points, eight assists, six boards. Good night for him stepping into the starting role. I really like his game. Oh, I, the more I see of him, the the more I like. And he played 42 minutes tonight. I mean, and, and that's Ooh. a rookie. But, I mean, it's it comes from Illinois, a program that, that's accustomed to, you know, doing well. As Dan's pulling up the highlight reel here. Yes. Um, but, you know, I mean, it, it just – there's no fear in that kid's game. And I think um, not, not in this past game, but the game before it, he hit, I think he got fouled with like 10 seconds to go and had to hit two shots. Mm-hmm. And he had gone like over two from the free throw line and goes in and just cold hits both shots. And I'm like, there you go. There you go. Start to feel it, son. I love it. Other players got some big minutes. Tony Bradley had to play 12 minutes. Troy Brown Jr. had 24 minutes, had six points, eight boards. Matt Thomas got 19 minutes tonight. Uh, the only reason he's on the team is as a three-point shooter to come in at the well, end. Well, and this is what happens when you got four guys, you know, I mean, the NBA roster is only so deep anyway. But I want to tell you something. Matt Thomas, everybody's like, who's that guy? He was plus 14 on the night. When he was on the court, the Bulls were plus 14. That's and that was, not, gar- and that was not garbage time, you know, minutes either. No, he had to play real minutes. He did hit a big three that really helped out. Uh, had a couple of big boards, had a steal. So, like we started this off, is bench players stepping up when they have to and filling in when we don't have a DeRozan to drop 30 points. Uh, it's big. Doing it at home and and impressively, um, doing it in the big bright lights of, of New York City. Um, back-to-back, really good wins. Oh, cool. let, yeah. let, let, let's, let's just say this. I want Chicago, New York playoff something to happen um, with my like late April, early May. Because that thing, they're just too fun. The, the sty- styles make fights. Mm-hmm. Styles make that series, man. That would be so much do, fun. Do you realize we swept LA and, and we now York. swept New York? This yeah. And I saw the stat. The Jordan Bulls never did that. It's impressive. It's really, yeah. really impressive. Like, they would always, like, the Bulls would always, would, like, they'd beat the Clippers, and then they'd play the Lakers the next night, and that would be, like, three three games and four nights. And you know they'd have an off night. They just pack it up, pack it in, and be done. Mm-hmm. You know, even even in the even the seventy two and ten team didn't manage to do this. So uh, just to throw some water on the Brooklyn Nets because I will every chance I get. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets are one in five against teams in the top eight in the NBA. That includes two losses to the Bulls. Yeah. So, oh, by the way. So one in five, and then they're like some crazy 17 and one against everybody else, which is great. You can beat bad teams. Good for you, and you need to do that. But Bears. you can't beat – well, yeah. You can't – well, get there. <laughs> um, but you can't beat good teams. That Well, guess what? The playoffs are good teams. Really good teams. So uh, good luck to the Nets if you can't get Kyrie to play. Um, but yeah. no. You know what else is really good? That the bench came out and did this tonight? and might have to do it for the next couple of games. 
that's stock that you can then sell at some point to get yourselves another big piece, piece. to help you really put a, a shot at an and, NBA and we've, title. And we've said before, we still think they're one legit big away from really, really rounding out the roster. Yeah, you asked me that last week, and I, I have a chance to put some names together. Some of these are probably out of reach just because of value. Some the teams won't want to trade because of youth, how young they are, like Jared Allen from Cleveland. Great player, definitely what we'd need, but he's like 20, 21, 22, something like that. He's crazy young, so he's probably off the table from Cleveland. But Jonas Valanciunas from New Orleans, they're not going to be a, a player in the playoffs, but he's dropping 18 and a half points per game, 12 boards. I don't know that we have enough capital to move him from New Orleans. Christian Wood from Houston, again, he might be a player that they try to build around for their future, but he'd be a nice backup to Vooch, uh, averaging 16 and a half and 11. Uh, Mo Bamba from Orlando. I don't know if Orlando keeps wanting to sell us their bigs, <laughs> but he's perfect. He's a defensive well, it, big. It reminds me of the Blackhawks. Let's find out what Phoenix has. Let's go get what they have. Yeah. Mo Bamba out in Orlando, only 11 points and nine boards, but he does. he's leading the league in blocks, 2.2 blocks per game. So that's really what you'd want Mo Bamba to come in for. Miles Turner from Indianapolis, uh, 13 points, seven and a half boards. Uh, 2.8 blocks. Sorry, he's leading the league in blocks. Mobamba's second or third. Well, um, 2.2 versus 2.8. I mean, it's still more than a block a game. Is still pretty good. It's still very, very good. Uh, so Miles Turner might be another guy that we would want if Indiana is willing to sell, uh, which is a whole other question. Now, a gettable player that I think we can maybe go out and get, Rashawn Holmes from Sacramento, 14.5 points per game, uh, nine boards. I think he's averaging around a block per game. He's a hometown kid from Lockport. I saw him personally play at Rain Valley Community College. He was averaging something nuts like 35, 15, and 11 at Rain <laughs> Valley. And I knew right then, oh, that guy's good. Well, he's in the NBA now. So um, Rashawn Holmes might be a, a big player that we can go get. If you're looking down the list, there might be a Mason Plumley that we can maybe get. Or uh, uh, <laughs> Ironically, there's a couple of guys on this list that we've had and let go, like uh, Bobby Portis, uh, who's not going to go because Milwaukee's going to hold on to him. Um, well, yeah, I don't think he would be coming back to town. Daniel Gafford is another name that's showing up on this potential list. Uh, he's averaging over a block per game. Um, that I wouldn't, I wouldn't, really wouldn't want to go out and get him. But, uh, you know, just some names thrown out there on kind of the discount list <laughs> that you might be able to get a little bit cheaper. But, uh, yeah, I mean, now you have some of this draft capital. I think to get one of those players that I mentioned, you're probably offering Kobe White, uh, Marco Simonovic, and oh, maybe a draft pick. Yeah, the problem is the Bulls just got tagged with a second-round pick from the, the Lonzo Ball signing, so we don't have a second-round pick anymore. So, yes, a pick would be that thing, but we don't have one, I right, don't think. Right. So, it. Is one of those teams going to bite on Kobe White and Marcus Samana? Maybe. Maybe. I mean, you got high you know, upsides well, of both well, of those players. Well, let's put it this way. Is, do you keep throwing Kobe White out there to get minutes? We were talking pre-show that we liked Iodesumu's game a little bit better. Do you throw him out there to basically um, give an audition? I think. And, and that's what you're hoping for. Iod's so, prominence so, has made Kobe White expendable. Okay. And, and he can be... And he's what the NBA wants. He's a three-point heavy guy. Great. 
ship him away for some somebody else that you can maybe fit in better because you have a bunch of guards. We have that. We need a little bit more depth in the. In no, the I think court. yeah. The one thing that's definitely missing is is front court big. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, but I mean, it it is going to be an a incredibly interesting winter and early spring uh, for basketball in Chicago. And when's the last time we said that? No, they're good. They're seventeen and eight. They're right up around a half game away from first place. So, no, we're players. Yep, absolutely. Um, moving on to the other United Center resident, uh, the Blackhawks are in fact an NHL team, climbing they're up, the scratching and of, clawing. It feels. It feels like. It feels like. Um, uh, Dark Knight Rises. You know when he's in the pit. And he's climbing up, and he and he jumps the first time, and he falls down, and he jumps the second time, and he falls down. It's kind of how this has felt, um, just because they were so far gone. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, and, and they're not they're not having big win streaks, but it's just consistently better play. And oh yeah, Mark Andre Fleury still good, still very good, still found very, his game, and he's still really good. Um, and that's no shade on Kevin Lankinen, who I think is actually no, deserved I mean, better. You're talking about literally one record. of the top. Who he might go down as one of the top five to ever do it, Mark Andre Fleury, because you look at all of his. He's one win away, I think, from 500. Yeah, really good. Really good. Like when you look up all his stats, it's like Patrick Waugh, Martin Brodeur, and him. Yeah, in whichever order those three are, that's really good. Yeah, yeah. That's, so hats off to one of the best to ever do it. Yeah. So, I, but I mean, they they split the the New York trip. Um, they lose to the Rangers, but they beat the Islanders. Uh, even though they tried to give that game away late, they gave up a goal with two point three seconds to go, uh, which was really annoying with the with the net empty. Uh, but they managed to win in the shootout uh, around it. Um, the two games that they won on this trip uh, were one in the shootout. Patrick Kane uh, with his little "I'm going to slow down and out stick handle you" move. Uh, is scoring again because because oh, he's placing it in an un like no I mean it's been great because Jonathan Taves isn't because you know you know that's starting to become a thing um, he's not scoring in the shootouts he's not scoring I feel like he's had all. a streak like this before yeah I mean he's gone career. through this where you know it's just had, a scoring slump of he just goes vacant and and, and you can still tell he doesn't have his wind all the way I mean he's not pre illness Jonathan right. Taves in terms of the minutes. Um, he just doesn't have the endurance that, that he's had. I'm sure he's working on it. I, I you know, that's, that's, it, it's just going to take time. I think um, the win against Washington was first massive. time since 2006. That's, that massive. That that's a massive win, whether you're in a shootout or not, who cares? I mean, and then, still Ovechkin, Washington's a, a contender for the Stanley cup. Yep. Um, and you went in there and you played pretty fearless. And managed to get out of there again uh, in the shootout, but but still, you know, it still counts. And then the split in New York goes pretty much the way you think. I think the Rangers are like seventeen and four or something yeah, crazy I mean, like that. The Hawks came out actually; they they got a, a fortunate first goal. Um, then New York kind of turned down the Jets in the second period, uh, got up three to one. Hawks made it close late. Did get a situation where they could pull their own goalie to, to try to, to to tie the game late, but it just wasn't to be. So I, I I feel like at least when when you sat down and looked at the roster, this is I keep saying this, this is what we thought it would kind of look like. Like the games they were gonna win were gonna be games that Marc Andre Fleury kind of helped to steal. 
and he has helped steal a couple of them mm-hmm. lately. Um, but I think it's what is it, eight and four since the coaching change? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, if you had that after 12 games, you'd be looking really, really good. Now, I mean, they're up to 20 points, they're still climbing the standings ever so slowly, but you keep piling in points, and before you know it, you're you're back into this a little bit. Well, you're gonna have to pull off wins against the Washingtons and the St. Louis, who they beat uh, a little while ago last week over Thanksgiving. So you're going to have to beat some of those teams, but they've just now proven that we can, which is at the beginning of the year, those were the types of teams that were beating us like 6-3, you know, 5-1, you know, so. Four not, you know, you sit down to watch the game and it's already 4 to nothing. Right, exactly. So, again, we're an actual hockey team and we're just trying to get back to break even. And then after we get to break even, whenever that is, you know, my joke at the uh, the beginning of the seasons were like, you know, Colleton needs to be fired before Nagy. Why? Because Nagy has three wins. I don't know when the Blackhawks <laughs> will get three wins. And it never it, it never came to fruition. He didn't get the other two. All right. So uh, that's why Colleton needed to go first. And uh, But now we're getting momentum. So I now have hope that we can get to 500, you know, maybe they're in a at couple least, of weeks. They're at least worth a, a look. I don't know that I would say they're worth a full watch yet, but they're definitely worth a look. Um, there's talent on the team. I mean, Kirby Doc is slowly beginning to to, to figure things out. Um, Alex DeBrinket is an emerging, if He's not a, a arrived star, a star in the league. He's probably going to be an all star. Strom got a goal. Um, Dylan Strom, you know, sighting. Uh, yeah. Uh, one one negative. You had asked, what the heck happened to Tyler Johnson? We found out, and apparently I asked, and we got. Dan worked his sources uh, up all night and found out and, 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 and forced Tyler Johnson to go under the knife and is out for three months. But uh, we, we no, Dan really didn't do that. But, uh, we, you know, we, we wish him all the best, a quick recovery um, for a player that, that maybe that may be your trade deadline acquisition. Hey, here's Tyler Johnson again. Yeah, right. Uh, that'd be a nice piece, a scoring piece. We need – I never thought I'd say this about a Blackhawks. I'll, I'll tell you who my new – my new Favorite, and, and I don't know if it's going to be consistent. I don't know if it'll make it. Jacob Slavin, number 36. Just start paying attention. Okay. I like, he's only been in the in the league a couple games. He's been a, uh, uh, in the in the AHL uh, for the Hawks. Um, he's doing good things out on the ice. Okay. So, you know, just in the same way that you kind of notice Brandon Hagel when he's out there all the time, you always say, well, that was a good shift. I say that a lot about what I see from 36. So, you know, let's let's hope that it that that continues. There there are some pieces. The the Blackhawks have a chance. Uh we face those same New York Rangers tomorrow night. But then we get but Montreal. At yes, at home. But then we get Montreal who's not great. Toronto who is great. Well, the, the thing is, the thing is if you can eat up and and get healthy record-wise or point-wise against the East, those are free points. So I mean, you know, it doesn't kill you to look to, to go to a shootout and win against the Eastern teams like it does so much against the Western Conference teams that you're mm-hmm. chasing. So go get as many free points as you can with the schedule that you have. I mean, I'm looking at the schedule, and there's only some where I'm like, I expect a heavy loss to Toronto at Toronto. I expect a heavy loss against the Panthers. Blackhawks seem to show up on Hockey Night in Canada historically. Um, yeah. I don't know. It, we'll see. And like I said, you know, the Blackhawks have just 
beaten Washington. They've beaten St. Louis. So they can beat one of these really good teams, but we'll see. I don't think teams can overlook them anymore. Like just kind of expect to skate in and skate out with a 4-1 win or something like that. You actually have to play them now. So that's an improvement at least. So the positive side of Chicago. Yes, exactly. We got to, we got to accentuate positives, eliminate. Well, we can't do that. The negatives. Um, But we're going to come back. We're going to, we'll break it here. Uh, We will then dive into the football. Not not as positive. Ugly, soupy mess. Hey, there's Um, one positive for. From the lakefront. Illinois football. That's true. Well, not Illinois football. We'll get there. Dan has issues, but we'll come back and we'll discuss them. All right. We've had the positive. Oy. Let's just jump right into what is left of the Okay, Chicago we're, we're going to do this like a Band-Aid. Right off! Just rip it right off. So uh, There was a game at the lakefront in the soup of Soldier Field. And the Bears bared all over themselves, apparently. You know what? Uh, you know what, Drew? I think I'm actually... I'm going to take the positive. You're going to accentuate the positives here. I'm going to try to be Mr. Positive about the Bears. I know it's a switch up, but let me let me just be Mr. Positive. They lost 33 to 22, which is 11 point loss, right? It's an 11 point loss. We've played the Rams, we've played the Bucks, and we got beat by like 30. This is a better team than both of those because they are. They're 10 and two, right? And we only lost by 11. And I know it doesn't look that great in a box score. Some of the stats here. But if you watch the game, if you actually watch the game, we led in time of possession because Dave Montgomery was running the ball down. I, I will say throats. that I will give you I will I will concede that. David Montgomery had himself a freaking game. Spin move that he did. Oh my goodness. Great game by David it Montgomery. Just, it, it, it sucks that it all went for nothing. But the, the problem is you couldn't keep running with David Montgomery because we started to get behind and you had to throw the ball to get back. Uh, which is a Bears problem. Well, you know what kind of caused the getting behind part? Bad luck. Throwing the ball to the other team. He didn't throw – he threw the ball to the other team once. The defensive end? The defensive end. That was the one time. <laughs> that was the one time. The other three – No, two of them Two of them for sure are not on him. The, the, when the hits, Komet when, when has got to catch that ball. One hits Komet one. in the hands. It, like, boom, yeah. right? Between the numbers, yes, yeah, you yeah. gotta catch that. That one, one I'm not, I'm not faulting Dalton. The one, one Kim Grant, the first one was yes, it was a little high. Dalton admitted he probably should have been a little bit more accurate with that one, but still, if it hits your wide receiver's hands, I don't want that to be in the other team's possession afterwards. And, and the third one again was a, a tipped ball right at the line that the player Chandler Jones just got palm right on the ball out of Andy Dalton's hand. And floated right into a, a Nickelback's arms and the other way. So it's like three tipped balls just went our way. And that's why we're four and eight and they're 10 and two. It's just luck, bad well, luck. That and the defense is just emaciated of what's left of oh, there what shells. it was supposed to be. I mean, well, so was offense. I know Allen Robinson. Well, that's true. We still have no, we still don't have an Allen Robinson sighting. Um, you wonder you if two wide receivers in there that I don't know should be there. You have a cornerback. Guys I've never heard of. Yeah, you have a cornerback that shouldn't be there. And I don't know, number 25 is Artie Burns. And then there's a guy named Xavier Crawford. And Eddie Jackson was there, but that didn't seem to matter. Um, and and 
and this will be one time I, I I've not said this the entire year. Uh, Jalen Johnson actually got burned a couple times. Yeah, from what I could tell. Yeah. Well, of course, he was also on one of the best receivers in the league. Oh yeah. So I mean, Hopkins, who this was his first, first game, game back, back in a while. So yeah. Kyler Murray's first game back. I guess he's fine. Uh, yeah. Well, so here's the thing. You look at the quarter, the good quarterbacks that we've played so far this year. The Tom Brady's, the uh, Ben Roethlisberger, who will be a Hall of Famer, whatever he is now, he'll he'll be in the Hall of Fame. And Kyler Murray, they don't throw a lot. This was the only one of those that was at home. The Tom Brady game was in Tampa. The Ben Roethlisberger game was in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, Matthew Stafford game was in LA. Yeah. So this was probably, I think, the home field, the sloppy turf, and a little bit of bare weather. Supposedly, the maybe players... kept it closer than it might have looked. I mean, I did see the Bears with the ball a lot, and then something weird would happen. Yeah. You know, of of what I saw. Now, I was I was engrossed in a, a different events that happened to overlap. So I was watching the Bears game on a smaller screen. I uh, didn't have sound on, so I, I'm trying to, you know, just get, gather what I saw. Um, they looked okay. I mean, the, I think the offensive line played decent. They were definitely able to run the ball, but uh, just not too too little depth, especially on the defensive side. Just I think just cost them. I mean, still Milikin Hicks, obviously Khalil Mack done for the year. Um, well, the, all that really, really, really hurts. The problem was. Uh, whether they're Dalton's fault or not, the four interceptions, the four, the four turnovers, all four of them put the Cardinals within the 30-yard yeah, line. They were killers. I don't care how good – put the 85 Bears defense out there. That's they're going to give up at least one of those. That's yeah. hard. Yeah. So it's like I would have liked to see how the defense played on a full average, make them go 80 yards to score. And would Kyler Murray still score? Yeah, probably. Might have been harder because they were having problems themselves. I think Kyler Murray fumbled the ball twice because of, it was a slick, uh, wet ball. It was it was a Mustafer, our center, fumbled the ball twice, including one where he got called for a penalty on a, uh, a snapping infraction because he literally tried to snap it, but it popped out of his hand and just went straight down. It was a mess. So to your point, yes, that probably had something to do with it. If we played in a nice... If we play this game in, in, Arizona. in Arizona, I don't think it's as close. Probably. Um, but And the Bears got a touchdown very late and a two-pointer very late with, I think, like three minutes to go. To my point about the interceptions and the turnovers, if you watch the after show post-game with Kaplan, Krutz, Alex Brown. Yeah, and no, you're going to hit Bruce. me. I have not. I did not watch that's, any. That's fine. But David Kaplan does his usual over-the-top screaming rant about the bears are the worst team ever. And then Alex Brown calmly points out uh, the lions who did get a win. They did get a win, but still Jared Goff. Let's call them like, there are still worse teams in the bears. The Texans True. are atrocious. Like, the, like let's call no, them. No, the bears are still a blob. And they're when they, they, they've had a schedule that's just been murderers row. I, I'm yes. not making excuses for them, but, but I mean, in, in a normal scheduled year, they're probably have, I think, maybe two more wins. Well, look, and if and this game specifically, but if the ball bounces a different way in this game, 
in, but specifically Pittsburgh and Baltimore, where those are closer games that the Bears could very well have won. Winning with less than two minutes to go. It's like those games, no one wants to be in the playoffs in the NFC, Drew. There's like five and seven teams. Six and seven. You're no going to end up with a, you're gonna end up with a seven and ten team maybe making the playoffs. Possibly. No one wants to be. It's not like we can't make the playoffs. We're not that much worse than the freaking Washington football team. At least we have a name. Okay, Drew? Like, <laughs> come on. <laughs> Let's be real. the positives. Let's be real. We have a name, damn it. But seriously, if the ball bounces a couple of different ways, we're looking at the season much differently. And then. What they said in the after show, after Kaplan gets on his rants about being whatever, um, the players were talking a little bit out of both sides of the mouth. They're like, oh, Dalton had a terrible game, but also this interception wasn't his fault. This interception wasn't his fault. This I'm like, so did he have a bad game or was it just bad luck? No, I think he had Andy Dalton. <laughs> I mean, but that's what you, that, I, and this is almost a microcosm of his career. There's some good, there's some unlucky maybe bad i, I mean I, I, again he did play for the Bengals for most of his career and the Bengals are the Bengals. fine which are being proven again this but year. but i think it's it's to my point of the more you see him the more teams are now adjusting to him um and the more mileage and the fact that he's getting up there in years i think you're seeing what what he's i think he's giving you everything he's got to give and this might just be it it's like uh olin Krutz said this one and I don't usually call out Olin Kurtz because he gives great No, I feedback. love Olin I'm, on Twitter. I'm a is big fan of Olin fo- Kurtz. Follow that dude on Twitter. Olin Kurtz, I love Olin Kurtz. But what he was saying was, oh, Andy Dalton's trying to fit it into it. Like, he always has a tight throw, a tight window to make. And, and he was saying that he didn't think Andy Dalton has it in his arm anymore to make those throws. And I'm like, okay, number one, a tight window to throw into is not the quarterback's fault. That's wide receivers not getting separation, number one. Number two... Justin Fields did that too, and he was thrown into some tight windows, and some got completed, some got picked. Justin Fields is leading the league in turnovers right now. Let's not let's call a spade a spade here. Is that there's some issues with the offense, some bigger issues with the offense. I don't think we have the personnel that we need to be successful. One, I don't think we have a coach that you we need to be successful. Staff Number to, two, that, that does it fine. Now we can go into specific player-by-player player breakdowns and figure out who we need and who we don't, and that's fine. Is Andy Dalton the answer at quarterback for the Bears? No, and I will say that now, and I said that when we – if go back to our episode when we signed him. We were not a fan of that signing. It was, it was, it was still – playing him to – first of all, Justin Fields is still injured, and, and that's, I think, yes. the overall. But number two, even if – he wasn't. I didn't mind Dalton here, particularly in the slop. Particularly, let him get injured the, like he did. Yeah, <laughs> with his left hand. Throw him to the dogs. Well, I've been saying that's been my thing all year. Well, you, you're you're well, okay. But again, my argument was predicated on Matt Nagy being able to develop a quarterback. He's clearly not able to do that. I didn't trust any of them to do that. So at some point you do have to say, okay, when you're actually confronted with the situation and the fact that Nagy was, was playing different offenses for different quarterbacks and was doing more to hurt than help. 
what what he was brought in to be was a quarterback whisperer. He's obviously not. So, so I believe it. Sack the year. I so, so go tank this year and, and throw Andy Dalton to the Wolves. I believe the sentence you're looking for, Drew, is, yes, Dan, you were right. No, <laughs> because my whole point was that, and I still, and I will stand by this, this year does not, did not ever matter from a win-loss perspective. This roster, as it was constructed, even with everybody healthy, was not good enough to compete for a world championship. So what are you doing? The only way out tank of that. Tank picks that we don't have? No, not to tank. But the best way to do it was to get the, the quarterback, the asset, the most amount of development that you still can. You still should do that, assuming he's healthy. The fact that they have a coach in place who just didn't want to do that and didn't want to go through that process is I just didn't want to get him hurt unnecessarily for nothing. He didn't get hurt unnecessarily for nothing. He got hurt on a football play while they were trying to develop him. Which he should have thrown away to David Montgomery. Which he will do next time. That's development. But you only learn that by playing. Congratulations. You learned something. Go heal your cracked ribs. Yes! That, that, that's how it works. That's how you build muscle memory. He won't do that again. Because he'll remember how much it hurts. Gosh, maybe I'm not invincible. Maybe I'll throw it to the dude who's so, wide open. So you're definitely for the whole, uh, okay, kid, here's a hot stove. Put your hand on the hot stove. Learn that it's hot. Kyler Murray had a hot stove year. He was bad his first year. Mac Jones, other than the fact that he has tremendous talent around him, is having not a great year. But they're developing those those players. They have no other options. Kyler Herb, the, the dude out in San Diego, had some spectacular plays and also had some bad decisions. You can develop, you can do both. You can try to win a world championship by developing a rookie quarterback and understanding that that's the most important asset. And that's the problem with the Bears. They do not understand that it all has to be about what, what's good for Justin Fields. And they didn't do that from the beginning because from the, from the minute that Matt Nagy said, you're QB1 and tried to stand by that, that's the error. That was the problem. And that, was, and that whole entire decision has influenced his entire game planning around both of these guys. And it's and and he's doing his best asset a disservice. So for that, yeah, Matt Nagy, you're, you're damn wrong to do it that way. Because you weren't going to win this year. You weren't going to win anything this year. That's guess, my point. I now at this point, with 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 a half a roster and an emaciated wide receiving core and and zip and pip playing tackle and and, and everything else, you might as well let Andy Dalton finish well, it out. Well, that's my point. And, and, fi and finish it out. We don't have a... If but no, no, your roster. point was Andy Dalton gave the Bears a chance to win because I you thought that maybe the they could get to win. maybe they could get to a meaningless playoff game and lose in the first round. They moved to Justin Fields and lost five straight. Fine! <laughs> Again, you're not understanding the calculus here about sacrificing today for winning later on. And that's what the good teams have done. There were some games there where... Yeah, they could have maybe won a game here no, or two. No, and maybe... no, 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 no. I'm not even saying that. There are some games where Justin Fields looked like he wanted to give up the game of football after him getting just drilled into the dirt over and over But and But he's over come again. back from that. I still he think... has. But too much of that. And we don't have a team like you just spent five minutes saying. We don't have a team around him that is conducive to his success. Not only the players, the coaches the coaching around staff. Him. And, and both that, that we are so, very so, much okay so so who then is that on that's on the dude who seems everyone's chanting fire naggy you're gonna get that 
Yes. Somebody ought to be chanting fire, Ryan. Great segue to my next point. So, right, they also had a great discussion on the after show about draft picks and what makes a general manager successful. Not every general manager should should be assessed based on his round one picks because honestly, teams aren't built in the first round. They're built throughout They're built through the draft. draft. They're correct. So your picks, second, third, fourth, fifth round picks have got to be good. three through six yes. can be as important to your long-term success as one through three. So Pace has famously flopped in a lot of his round one picks, minus Roquan. Minus Roquan and minus Leonard Floyd, who I think they gave up on too quickly. Fair enough. So those picks, both Georgia. The yeah. Kevin White, complete bust. Um, yes. Trubisky, Trubisky was a mistake. That whole the way that Island of Misfit Toys type of thing. Yes, yeah. the, what you gave up to get him. His okay. later round picks, though, have not been as bad. You can really and specifically the, 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 last... the issue is isn't that he can't find it even late in rounds. It's there's not enough volume of good to outweigh the bad. I would say if you're if you're judging draft classes, I mean you generally if you don't trade away, you get seven picks, right? So you would have to hit on, I think, to be a successful, the successful GMs, I think, hit on 55% of their picks. I would bet if you actually laid it out and you actually did the analysis and said, this is a good pick, this was a bust, this was a good pick, this was a bust, I bet Ryan Pace is somewhere in the 35 to 40% range. It's not enough. We should do a deep dive on that and see. Yeah, I mean, that is something. That There you go. I like it. Title of the show. Deep Look dive. at you. I know. We should do a deep dive on that maybe for next week. But um, there's they were getting to the point where, you know, yes, it would be great to hit on your first round pick because that's usually going to be a generation. I mean, that's the flash. That's but the flash. Roquan Smith, uh, Smith might be that all pro player and you got him in the third round, I believe. Now, who's left from that draft? Uh, Mooney. Mooney was taken in that draft, that's wasn't he? That's two. And then he's another guy that now he just had, I think, two receptions or something like that in last game. Yeah, I was going to say he... But he was coming off of two five-reception, like, 120-yard games. I would call that a a non-miss. That is that is a, that is more That's than likely a still a, a question mark left yeah, open. Yeah, we don't know because in, it's incomplete. Yeah. 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 I think but, Rokon, I would say, is a hit. Um, Leonard Floyd was a miss when he was here, but then he became a hit later. Now, whose decision was that to, to move on? Donald also helps yeah, that's very true. But Khalil Mack should have helped with that, too. And Jalen Ramsey helps with that, too. They have a very talented defense. Kyle Fuller should have helped with that, too. He's not Jalen Ramsey. But, yes, I get your point. Yeah. So, uh, Kyle Fuller was a pace draft pick, wasn't he? Mm, I think he was the last of the prior regime. Maybe. I think he was. Like the, I said, we got to do a deep dive on those yeah. draft picks. But Kyle, Kyle Fuller was drafted the same year that HaHa Clinton Dix was drafted because I remember I wanted the Bears to go get HaHa Clinton Dix. Yeah, we needed wanted, a safety. One to laugh, and then two, <laughs> well, because the, they needed a safety that year really bad. We also needed drafted a corner, cornerback. We, we also needed a bunch of things. Yeah, which it seems to be a constant thing, and we don't have draft picks. Which Pace does trade and, away and, a lot. But, of and then if you don't, but but here here's the, the domino effect of missing out on the draft picks. Now you have to go get free agents to to supplement what you're yes. not drafting. And you don't have financial control, which means you're at the, the mercy of the free market. So you therefore have to overpay. And then in order to make your cap work, you have to restructure certain deals. Jimmy Graham, Jimmy Graham, Jimmy Graham to sacrifice 
future the, the future uh, opportunities. So, so you're, you're gonna, you, it's just a constant cycle of it just keeps getting worse the longer you do it. And the Bears have just continued to do it. And eventually you have to pay for it. And this is what you're seeing. So here, if I'm Ryan Pace, the things he seems to draft well are your defensive players later in rounds. From third round through sixth round. That's where he seems to be the best. So if you're the best at that in other rounds and in free agency, you need to spend money on the lines. Offensive and defensive. My God, spend some money on the offensive line for the lower where, where that And that is, I think, where they have neglected is they have built from, they've done the opposite. They've tried to build from the outside in. They've gone and drafted Jalen Johnson, good player, but that's an outside the line pick. Um, you know, you went and uh, spent money on, spent that. money on, on Allen Robinson, nice free agent pickup, yeah. high signing. Um, you went and drafted David Montgomery. That's a hit, but uh, and, know, Khalil again, Herbert. and Khalil Herbert, again, another hit, but it doesn't do you any good if your interior, correct. Both no, sides of it is from bad. The, from the line out, correct. for sure. So you got to spend more money there. The Bears do have some money to spend coming up. So it'll be interesting to see where they put that money towards. There's more than one way to build a football team. So we'll see how that happens. Will Ryan Pace be making those decisions? Well, there's that. And then <laughs> and then that comes down to ownership and and, and who's making who's those making decisions. those decisions when you don't really know and nor do I trust. Which or, again goes back to my whole thing. I don't trust the Bears organization. No, the Bears as an organization are a hot mess. I yeah. completely agree with you. They don't they they I think they look at each other and go, We want to win and we but we have no freaking clue how. And then they look at each other like, Well, we can do that, or we can do that, or we can do that. And the other problem is you have four young players. You have Fields, Mooney, uh, Montgomery, oh, who's that? Herbert. One? Herbert. You have uh, some young players here that you can build a core around. Yeah. Mustafer. Pay them. Pay them now because. Maybe Larry Borman. I'll tell you what. Every game Montgomery shows what he can do, that's more money you're going to have to pay for that. I game. felt. Did you happen to see any of his post game or hear any of his post game? I didn't. I felt so bad for that dude. That dude has worked so effing hard on his top speed and and deficiencies in his game, and it's come along so well, and it's so wasted. And I think he's realizing how bad of a situation he's in. And then you almost wonder, the second he gets the chance to, to be here, I think he's going to fly, and that really sucks. Well, yeah, I agree with you. But and, and then here's the other thing. Uh, it's not meant to be a comparison between Dalton and Fields, uh, but it is going to be. We're one of the last teams in utilizing the running backs oh, in the to passing catch, game. to catch passes. Yes, and the key was Fields not throwing it to a wide open Dave Montgomery, cracking some ribs by getting hit. Dalton uh, yesterday Sunday. Threw to him eight times. Montgomery led the team in receptions for 51 yards. On top of his 90 yards that he got for, you need to throw him the ball. He's a very talented. That was release. that was one of the things that um, he was touted as as his pass catching ability was supposed to be an asset. And this is something that I now hope I and sincerely, this is a sincere. And, and, and if you can't block it, your next, you know, and this goes back to play calling. You can try to screen it. Well, and this is a sincere comment that I'm hoping Justin Fields 
learns. I hope he's really watching Andy Dalton out there because you can learn some things. And the things you should have learned from Sunday's game is how do you beat a blitz? Throwing it at the blitz to the running back who's releasing. That's how you beat it. But the only way you get that is by playing at game you can, speed. You can, you can no, walk. no, 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 but the, the, yeah. no, 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 no. There's things that. to be learned there, yeah, Drew. Yes, I know there you are. watch that as like, how do I not get hit on the blitz? Throw the ball to the running back. Yes, Drew. that's fair. But the only way you're going to learn that is, gosh, maybe I should have, I don't know, played my star rookie quarterback with the ones in training camp. I'm, I'm maybe gonna, that was an idea. I'm going to bring this way back. I work with high school athletes, yes? Well, okay, let, let, uh, I'll let you make it, but I'll, I'll receive I, it. I work with high school athletes. They play the game. They play all the time because they're the number one stars. They're the first team, whatever you want to call them. They play all the time. You know what I ask them all the time? Hey, you know why you, uh, you made that mistake? Oh, your fundamentals are terrible. Why are your fundamentals terrible? None of them watch anything. They don't watch football players play. They don't watch baseball players play. Correct. And they make a Which stupid is, error. Oh, that's exactly right. Watch they don't the watch game. it. That, you're proving my point. They don't watch, watch it. the game. And then learn so you can do. I actually think the amount of film study that the NFL does is ridiculous. You're going to win so much more by actual live reps. You tell that to Peyton Manning and Tom Brady who sit there and actually break down. Well, they're down. coaches on the field. That's different. That's They're what a quarterback should be. You should field. know where the blitz is coming. You should tell the wide receiver. And you know what that takes? That takes a 1-15 season from one Peyton Manning in his first year to actually have the freedom to learn all of that and to go through the growing pains. You have to let, yes, let them play. Let them learn it. Let them calibrate. All of that gets you to that end result. You didn't win it in film, you did it in film study. There you is... did it by getting live reps and basically getting killed his first year. That's we're so not used to this process because we've got the list since Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre came in the league of 30 freaking guys who were just guys. Andy Dalton, I'm sorry, is just another guy. He's a nice guy. I like him. He's a semi, he's average to maybe above average, but that's it. You're never winning a Super Bowl with that guy. Ah! Stop giving me good things about Andy Dalton. I'm giving you alert. I'm sincerely saying to Justin Fields, watch how Andy Dalton beat the Blitz on Sunday and didn't get his bell rung every other drop. And learn it in the next time you actually have a live game rep. Yeah, absolutely. Well, fine. But watch him do that so you know how. I'm hoping he's watching Tom Brady beat our brains in. I'm hoping he's watching Ben Roethlisberger lead a winning drive against us. I'm hoping he's watching how... Uh, uh, Demar Jackson well, runs but, the ball and throws the ball. I'm hoping he watches Kyler Murray and how he runs the ball and how he throws the ball. There are things to be learned by watching the game. And there's also much more. You get farther along in that by playing said game. But all right. Uh, this is like the 12th time we've done this. <laughs> I didn't think we were going to do this tonight, but we're going to take a break. We'll, we'll talk about college football championship Saturday. Dang it. But the good news is Dan got to delete some teams from from his college Thank rundown. Goodness. So so we'll we'll zen, and and we'll come back. All right, we are back from break. If you're wondering if we continued the argument that we were oh, having, of course we did. One hundred percent, we continued that through the break. Uh, I 
think we have now. I think we've exhausted it. We've done the, this again. This was not the show I thought we were going to do. We've called a truce. Yes. For right now, and we'll get. But to that's the, the great thing. Like I, I, no, I seriously do love the dynamic that we can almost come to blows at each other and then click the button and then be fine. First thing I said at, as we went to break was, your opinion is completely absurd. And I just walked to the... And I started laughing. <laughs> it's like, whatever. It, we've had these conversations yes. long enough. We've known each other long enough to know exactly what triggers the other one. And I think we just do that. I think just to watch what happens. And you get to listen to some of it. So there, there so you go. Enjoy. I hope yes. you enjoy it. Exactly. Uh, on to college football, where I have a much rosier disposition. It, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a shorter list. We now know who the four teams in the playoff are. Um, it kind of went, I think, as expected. Yeah. Um, other than Oklahoma State coming up uh, one yard short in their championship game. Inches. Just inches. Um, the, the formula for one Notre Dame needed to have a lot of chaos, and a lot of chaos didn't necessarily come. Nope. Um, Alabama turned into Alabama again and really handled number one Georgia. Uh, so maybe they were overrate, overrated. Eh, we don't know. But uh, Georgia and Alabama then go through to the playoff. Yeah, uh, they switch spots. They joining go them, the undefeated Cincinnati. Uh, and, who put you know, it on Houston. Who put it on Houston, as they should. And uh, Michigan, who uh, handled on Iowa. Iowa. Oh, man. That game was over about in the second quarter. Yeah, that was quick. And, and they had guys I'd never heard of throwing touchdown passes. Like, like Iowa had to do everything right to win that game. And they called this really interesting, like, halfback option pass. And it was going to be wide open for a touchdown, and the tight end slipped. That was the end of the game for Iowa, right then and there, four mm -hmm. minutes in. It, it reminded me of the Trubisky to, uh, what's his name, who dropped the ball in the playoff. Oh, wins? Yes. Bye. <laughs> You're cut. I almost had that gut reaction this Sunday, not to continue with the Bears, but I almost had that discussion uh, that, or that thought process with Adams when he dropped a wide open pass, and I'm just like, cut him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Gets you right in the hands. You were wide open. Cut him. Yep. Uh, yeah, that's harsh. Uh, but but that's football. That is football. But yeah, Michigan. Kudos to them for doing what they had to do in a spectacular way. Yeah. There were and, there was some quick uh, ascension. I mean, they were not in the the top echelon of the rankings until very recently. But I think that is I, I, of all the four teams, uh, that's the one I think that's the most dangerous. If they get to the title game, um, because it, I think it's going to be it's Michigan or it's Alabama versus Cincinnati, right? That's one and four, and then it's Georgia against Michigan. Yes, the Georgia and Michigan game I think is your much more interesting. Uh, matchup because I think Alabama is going to Alabama on Cincinnati. Cincinnati does play to their competition. They've played to their competition all year. You saw it. They played a good Houston team. Houston is not a bad no. team. No. They were 11 and 1 in that game. They were ranked. And Cincinnati came out and put a whooping yeah, on them. They did. Notre Dame was ranked seventh. Seventh, seventh in the seventh country. Sixth at the time. When Cincinnati goes to Notre Dame, which I don't care who you are, going to Notre Dame. Never easy to win there. No, and the, and the Cincinnati quarterback played out of his life. Yeah, and they game. played up to it. And, yes, they go to East Carolina, who's not good. They go to South Florida, who's atrocious. And they don't show up for those games because they don't care. It's, it's hard <laughs> to get up for that to, Right. Well, guess what? They will be up for Alabama. You best believe they will come ready to play Alabama, just like Utah did. Well, that's a game where Cincinnati is going to have to do everything right. Um, and, and you hope that you get the Alabama that played Auburn and not the Alabama that played Georgia. Yeah. Well, 
I mean, like any football game in any conference, in any level, if you put pressure on the quarterback, you have a pretty, I don't care if that quarterback is Tom Brady or some schmuck. You get pressure on the quarterback, you have a good chance of winning. That's what Auburn did. Cincinnati can do that. So they can get pressure. They can get sacks. So we'll see. I, I still think your money game is the the fascinating game. The game that I want to watch, at least Styles make fights game, is Michigan Georgia. I think it'll be a yeah. I think it'll be a great game. Yeah, I will have eyeballs on the Cincinnati Alabama game though. No, I mean I'm, I will watch both. I mean I do find um, both uh, an interesting matchup. I will be rooting for Cincinnati. Oh yeah, you best believe. Oh, of course. But I, I think I'm going to, as you know, I'm apt to getting disappointed when it comes to the college football playoff more often than not. But I love chaos, so let's hope that that happens. I love to see what the – I'm going to look up the line for Cincinnati and see uh, see what those lines are. But Notre Dame, we just mentioned – we mentioned Notre Dame. They're number five, just missing out on that playoff. They're, they're the bridesmaid this year. Yeah, you'd think if Georgia had beaten Alabama, they might have squeaked in at number four. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you had you, – they needed one of three things to happen. They got the Oklahoma State loss, and if, if Alabama's out, Notre Dame is probably back in. I'm personally happy that Notre Dame is not in this thing, uh, simply because the last two times it's been bad, been real bad. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take their January 1st game. They get to play the other bridesmaid in Oklahoma State. Um it's gonna be so, a tough game. That'll be a, it, it, but, but that should be a fun matchup, I think. If I were to bet, I'd actually think I'd take Notre Dame. They might. If 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 all their play, if they're all their regulars do play, yeah. Like Oklahoma State, they certainly can win this game. It's just they have moments where they just don't meet the moment. Their like quarterback is undersized, and Notre Dame's defense is big. Yeah, and that I think it becomes a thing. And Notre Dame, if Michael Mayer is playing up to his potential and uh, Zach, uh, Jack Cohen uh, isn't turning the ball over, um, he's righted his ship. Talk about a dude who was under a, a ton of pressure because, you know, we were talking about Notre Dame. You're talking about, again, another team that couldn't figure out who they wanted to have as quarterback. Notre um, Dame is a two-point favorite. But Jack Cohen has come in and stabilized that situation. Woo! Alabama's getting 14, 14 points oh, to beat Cincy. They're a 14-point favorite. Mm-hmm. Wow! If you want to beat the man, you got to You want to be the man, you got to beat the man. Cincinnati, it's all right there that's for what you. you. Play for them. Yeah. I mean, if you're these kids from Cincinnati. Oh no! Go out there and ball. That's yeah. what you go do. Yep. You just go out there and just you let it all hang out. See what happens. So uh, I, I take Notre Dame over Oklahoma State, um, but I was very happy doing this outline because I got to just erase. I got to backspace. Northwestern and Illinois off of my thing because guess what, Drew? They're not playing. <laughs> They're not playing in a bowl. So, so what Illinois team is playing in a bowl? That, my friend, would be Northern Illinois University, the, the mighty Huskies from DeKalb. You want to hum part of your fight song? Oh, I would love to. Uh, no, they, they, so they, they got to the they got to the MAC championship game. They played Kent State, who beat them a couple weeks ago in Ohio. Kent State's a much better home team than they are anywhere on the road, even though this is a neutral site still on the road for them. Um, and they promptly got beat 41 to 23. Yeah, I mean, that was one I didn't even have to keep looking at. I just called the score and I went, eh, I think they yeah, happy. They jumped on them quick. Uh, I think it was 17 nothing at half, and then they just snowballed it from there. So, um, yeah, Northern Illinois goes triumphantly into, uh, as MAC champions, their, their bowl game, which will be against Coastal Carolina. 
which is interesting. So the, the, what the Mac has done is they decide which is their best bowl game, and they'll put what they believe is their best team in that bowl game. So what they've decided is the 9-4 and four Huskies are the, the Mac's best team, and so they figured out which bowl suits them best. We'll go a very good, very strong, other mid-major Coastal Carolina team, who I believe is 11-2 and two or something like that. Something Coastal Carolina ranked? No, because no. uh, one of their losses came later in the season. So what uh, bowl are they in? And it was like oh, 35 of them. It's like the Tail Greeter Bowl or something Woo-hoo! like that. Uh, it's in Orlando. It's not the Orange Bowl from a few years ago. Not Last the Orange Bowl. Uh, yeah, not the Orange Bowl, but um, it'll be a good game. And Coastal Carolina has made a name for themselves now. People are on the lookout for Coastal Carolina. They put a smackdown on Kansas. I know it's Kansas, but Kansas also beat Texas this year. So, um, but Coastal Carolina put a smackdown. Lots on of Kansas. people beat Texas this year. That's unfortunately. true. That's true. Uh, but Coastal Carolina—that was the one, uh, I guess, Power Five conference school that they played, and they smoked them. Uh, Northern Illinois, to counter that, played Georgia Tech, beat Georgia Tech. So they both have their lower-level Power Five conference wins. Um, it matters to those schools. It matters no, that's a lot. true. That's true. Um, it's a step up for them. Yeah, so it'll be a big matchup of uh, mid-major powerhouses. Let's just call it that. Now, I, as a Northern Illinois fan and alum, which, if you couldn't tell already, uh, it's an interesting thing. Under Thomas Hammock, the new coach, who just won Mac Coach of the Year. This was supposed to be a rebuilding year for them, wasn't it? Oh, 100%. They had mostly freshmen so, so and sophomores is, playing. This is ahead of schedule. They Hammock said that they're a year ahead of schedule. They expected to be here next year when these guys were more junior seniors that's good so uh yeah they're ahead of schedule they're very very happy but i want to see from northern illinois they've had a history of having great regular seasons and then not showing up for bowl games so my challenge to coach hammock is get them ready and at the very least be competitive but i want to see them win this bowl game because it looks winnable that's the issue with Northern Illinois is you've great. You've gone 13 and 0. you've gone whatever record you have. And that's awesome. But finish, finish the season. Yeah. And I get it. Reminds a- me of Northwestern for the longest time. Like Pat Fitzgerald yeah. would have really good regular seasons. They get to a bowl game and you know, something weird would happen and they'd lose. And it wasn't until they actually you know, bucked that trend and won a couple of them that, you know, Northwestern got the, the national prominence that it got to. Now, this year was an off year for them, but, uh, you know, you'd hope that they would bounce back a bit next year. But, you know, good on Northern. You know, go go get them. Yeah, 9-4 and four is a great, great year for them. Uh, again, given that they're playing a lot of young guys. So, and they had a tough schedule. I mean, if you remember, they got smoked by a team number two in the country right now, Michigan. They got beat, like, what was it, 53 to 10 or something like that? <laughs> Whatever. Well, that team's in the college football playoff. So that, I guess, loss doesn't look as bad. But if you look at all of their other wins, yeah, they were tight, close, one-score games, which for a young football team, it's impressive that you came away with a No, wins. I mean, it's, it's impressive to come away on the, on the positive side because you see a lot of, usually in the development curve, you know, you're losing those games by one or some right. freak thing. So I mean, again, good on good on the coaching staff, good on the players, and you know, personally, I wish Northern nothing but the best of luck. There's really only a couple, you know, the local interests. They're one of the flag bearers this year, so hey, go get them. 
best college football team in the state of Illinois. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so their game is Friday, December 17th, 5 p.m. on ESPN2. Check it out. Notre Dame is playing Saturday, January 1st at noon on ESPN. I'm sure many people. Now, I think that's that. the, that's probably the appetizer for, I think, one of the playoff games probably yeah, right after probably, that. So, yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we would normally turn to, turn to the MLB and hot stove and all of that. Um, but there's a problem, Dan. There's a bit of a lockout. Yeah. And this looks like it could be it's first time since '94. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's the a CBA has been allowed to expire. Um, it didn't look like either side was anywhere close to the other in terms of making a deal. No, they had a final meeting on the final day that lasted seven minutes, minutes. before somebody walked out. Yeah. Seven minutes. So you want to do this thing? Yeah. Someone just had to lay down an offer and they're just like, that's offensive and just walked out. Yeah. That's how bad that had to go. Yeah. This is, uh, oh boy. this is not looking good. At least the initial stages are not looking good. Now we do have a couple months. They, they've come out and said that they like... want to get this done before mid to late March so they could still have a full season. Eh, I'm not sure. I mean, normally pitchers and catchers report what? February, February first middle week of February. Week, yeah, first, second week of February. So we're going to get a delay. You know, it's like you can make the announcement now. This reminds me of uh, our local rail service, Metra, who would never tell you that the train was delayed until it was really, really delayed. So it's a little interesting in that in the early stages of free agency, owners dealt out over a billion dollars. Oh, stupid money. Over a billion dollars. To prove the point, I think. that That's how ass backwards these negotiations are going to be. Because they're going to point to the same contracts that they themselves agreed to. To, to say how, uh, how, how broken the system is. But you're the ones that signed it. So... I haven't looked at all of the details of of the collective bargaining agreement that they're trying to settle on, but I think one of the sticking points is not so much the Mike Trouts and the Max Scherzers of the world. They're trying to figure out the, the quote-unquote middle-class to lower-class free agents right. and getting more And when can they be there. released from their rookie contracts? The service time, the, the Chris Bryant... Don't play him for seven days in one season, and therefore, he's which admittedly here, is absurd, is a, is a stupid rule. But but it's yeah. part of the game that will more than likely get dealt with. But here's here's the thing that whenever we have one of these, I here's always the part that always befuddles me because everybody, the a lot of fans, I think, will take the position of the players are making so much money, why don't they just agree and go play? Why are you taking the position of defending the billionaires here? The owners are the cabal. The owners are the ones that signed these stupid contracts and made the system what it is. The players are the ones just trying to play. I understand it's millionaires versus billionaires, but pick the one that's closer to your own pocketbook, damn it. So what – I can't believe I'm about to just take this devil's advocate point of view. It really – hurts my soul that I'm about to say this. So take that for what it's worth. Uh, but owners will tell you that a lot of their capital or a lot of their billionaire status isn't fluid. Oh, no, it's not liquid. It's it's wrapped up in the stadium that they own. It's wrapped up in the valuation of the team, which, the is, effectively, the team. which is effectively a paper entry. But in a pinch, 
I've yet to see anybody really run out of cash. Right. No, that's what I'm saying. So, like, for example, since we're here in Chicago, the Ricketts family, they would argue that they've spent a lot of money to improve the Wrigley Field experience, both Wrigley Field itself, plus the hotels and the, all the things going around Wrigley Field. That's a lot of money out of their pocket. And most of their actual uh, estate is tied up in the team and Wrigley Field. And the players' like salaries, that. I think, account for per annum are about 5 to 10% if you actually consolidated all of the Ricketts holdings, maybe 5% of their spend. They have the money. These owners have the money. The TV deal alone ensures that the owners have the money. The owner of the Oakland Athletics has the money to go do whatever the heck they want to do. Be pr all I'm saying is as a fan, if you're going to take a side, be pro player on this get minor league baseball fixed get all oh, those players are getting like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches if they're lucky yeah if they're lucky so let's get some support for that let's get some pace of play actual things that, that can really make the game better uh if we're gonna do this let's do it right and don't cop out but i, I would just say to the fans don't be on the side of the billionaires here because they're the ones that screwed it up there are a lot of issues that baseball has to figure out. You mentioned pace of play, uh, the, the quote-unquote sticky substance thing, which supposedly they have put to bed, which is probably a good thing for the sport. However, hopefully players in this lockout time are adjusting so we don't have a DeGrom situation, not saying he used it, but he was one of the players, if I'm not mistaken, that came out and said, okay, you're taking that potential thing away, now we have to squeeze the ball harder to get some more of the spin rate that we need to get on our curveball or our slider. Squeezing the ball harder increases the I, I got another one for you, Dan. Let's just agree to use the same ball throughout whatever ballparks. They've come out and admitted that they were using different balls made from different manufacturers. That's an easy fix. Don't yeah, that's that that you'd think so. You would think that that would be a thing. Um, yeah. It's ridiculous. Some, <laughs> some of the things baseball has a lot to work on to kind of tweak their system, but uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll. I mean, we're gonna. I think we're gonna be in a holding pattern. I don't want to make you know. We're probably not gonna talk about it until there's movement. Um, so I'm getting my my shots in now. I, I will. Type of thing. I do want to end this on a, a more positive note. I guess. Again, again, we're accentuating the positives tonight. Oh, we're trying. We're we're trying so hard. <laughs> um, Baseball Hall of Fame is. Coming oh, maybe even also yes. Baseball Hall of Fame is coming out with their uh, vote this year, uh, but the Veterans Committee and the Golden Era Committee, I think the two different committees, whatever, uh, came out with some of the older players that they have. Um, wanted to induct and those players, if I can get the names right, um, Bud Fowler, uh, Buck O'Neill from the Negro Leagues um, have gotten inductions. Also, Gil Hodges, Jim Cott, Cat. Gil Hodges, who used to be on the uh, Home Run Derby black and white TV show that was filmed at Wrigley Field. There you go. Uh, Minnie Minosa, who's a Chicago White Sox um, player, and Tony Oliva by the Golden Days Era Committee. Um, I think Dick Allen was one vote shy of oh. getting in the one vote. Um, 
but hey, six new members uh, going in. Um, again, a lot of this is based on them including Negro League statistics in official Major League Baseball, and they're going like, "Oh, these players were good." Me, we yeah, probably like, yeah. Uh, so that's where some of these players. Right. To me, it's really it's all really simple to me. Can you tell the story of the game of baseball with that person or without that person? The weird thing is Buck O'Neill already had a life-size statue in the hall of fame because he was uh, one of the first African-American managers in either the American or national league plus his playing career, which was exceptional. You probably should have had him in. I'm just saying whatever he's in now. Fair. So, you know, congratulations to all. I believe there are only two members still actually alive i believe it's tony oliva and i believe jim cott uh, if i'm not mistaken uh i think they're both still living and and the rest have unfortunately passed away but um still they're gonna get their their due and their shine as they all should because i i feel like they're all worthy so good on you for all of them and we'll see uh what the players um writers association puts in on the new induction i'm a little Eh, on this crop, uh, Alex Rodriguez is a new option. David Ortiz is a new option. Both of those players by the numbers should be in, but then when you factor in other circumstances, I don't know that they will. You still have Barry Bonds and Kurt Schilling should probably this, get this in. This is more Hall of Fame talk than I like. I really hate the Baseball Hall of Fame. I hate what it stands for. I can't stand the damn thing. Throw them yeah. all out as far as I'm concerned and start over, but yeah. whatever. Well, well, when you start picking it apart and then you start looking at some of the older players that play in the 20s and the 30s and you start holding them the same standards that you hold some of these players can to. you tell the story of baseball with them or without them good or bad or indifferent yeah. if the answer is yes they should be in the answer is no they really shouldn't be i don't think it matters about numbers or eras or anything else it's can you tell the story of baseball it is nothing more than a museum i don't enjoy baseball hall of fame or any other hall of fame debates so you're not on Mark Burley getting in then? I don't care. <laughs> and I think that's where we're going to leave it. But regardless, congratulations to Bud Fowler, I mean, Buck O'Neill. For, for a good guy in Minnie Minoso Minnie to, to get in, I think I'm, you know, for two seconds, I'm a little happy for him. But again, I go back to, I don't care. So that's where I'm at. Fair enough. Well, congratulations <laughs> to them anyway. Yes. It's a wonderful accomplishment. And to be it, recognized, I and guess. And their career should be shining. People so. are fine. Good enough. All right. We're done accentuating the positives. We're going to try to eliminate the negatives. We'll be back next week. I don't – did the Bears play again? Oh, yeah. No, no. They play on national television against Green Bay. It gets even better. So um, we'll probably have another one, a spirited they debate. They their about, owner. Yeah, yippee. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, COVID till. Uh, anyway, uh, for Dan, I'm Drew. It's still fun to do this, even when I'm – Progeny. Um, and that's okay. Uh, so uh, we'll catch y'all on the next one. Until then, ta ta. Thank you for joining us on the 4D Experience. If you like what you heard, please click that subscribe button and your favorite podcasting app. Once again, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you on the next one.